Live from Red Bull Studios, New York. I'm in love with my life. Hey, this is Mary H.K. Choi with Hey Cool Jobs, a podcast about jobs. We're recording once again at Red Bull Studios in New York's Chelsea neighborhood. And my next guest is someone I've known and admired for 13 years, superstar A&R and creative director, Sycamore. He's worked with Travis Scott, YG, Nicki Minaj, Jeremiah, Lil Durk, and many others. He's a New York native who now lives in LA, though we can hardly fault him for that. Currently at Epic, he's renowned for his work ethic, unmatched ear for talent, and yeah, this is one of the guys who figures out what's next in rap, which is definitely a very cool job. I'm in love with my life. Hi, Sycamore. Thanks for being here. Hey, Mary. Hi. So what is your official title at Epic? Uh, Vice President of A&R and Creative Director. Okay. So the Creative Director is something that's super interesting to me because it's not a typical corporate label gig. I mean, did you insist on that aspect of the title? And if so, why? Yeah, 100%. They didn't want to give me that at first. No, I mean, I see that. <laughs> and I'm like, people did not want to give you this. No, I didn't want the A&R part because I felt like A&R wasn't transferable to the rest of my uh, career, you know, so if I had to ever leave, God forbid, a record label, mm-hmm. they'd be like, so what's an A&R do? You know, it, it's, it's like a, it's a dying art. So I wanted, I wanted to force, people know what a creative director is loosely. Yeah, It's exactly. kind of a position you can kind of play in a little bit. Yeah, well, it's also kind of like the typo negative. It's like very plug and play with other industries. So you could conceivably like do another thing entirely. Yep, so if I could do cool shit over there, they're like, oh, okay, you're the creative director of Travis Scott. Okay, boom, you know, next right, thing you know, right, you're the right. creative director of something else cool. I looked at um the the trajectory of like um the Burberry CEO. How yeah, she totally. Went, how she went from there to Apple, designing yeah. the stores. Like that to me is cool. So you know you talk about how A and Ring is a dying art. What is an A and R? Because I think you know that's also one of these like super vague job titles. Because I know A and Rs who absolutely don't do anything, and A and Rs who are like stage moms who like chew their artists' food for them. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm like the latter. <laughs> But well, what what does it actually mean? Well, the role is uh, artist and repertoire. Mm. So you have to be the for the artist there, and um, you have to make sure that you're the liaison to the label. So when they're talking about, hey, I need to make my album, I need studio time, I need mm. more money, I need this, I need that, I need more records, and the label's like, I need it under budget, I need an album, I need a deadline, I need a single, and you're the guy in between, making it work all the while, always on the eye for like new talent, new writers, new producers. Okay. Things. So when I met you, I was working at XXL, and I was then editor-in-chief Elliot Wilson's assistant, and mm-hmm. you were a mixtape tape DJ. You were like, I think you were like 18 or 19, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I was about 18 when I was coming up yeah. there, and I used to come up there to see Leo all the time. Because you guys had a book club together. She was the music editor, or mm-hmm. the associate music editor, because we were all children, mm-hmm. and you were like this teenage kid who used to just kind of like sit in our cubicles. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, was, that was a real important time for me, because, you know, they say that your taste is made between... Uh, 12 and 22, like sure. a student age. Mm-hmm. And um, so going up there, you know, Leah used to put me on all kind of different music from like Fish to Fiona Apple, uh, a lot of different things that I would normally get into. Right. You know, and she, so she was very uh, frank, you know, and I would be this kid fresh out of Brooklyn, you know, just really ambitious and, you know, read a lot of books but didn't know much. Right. You know, so uh, that time at XXL, you know, I felt like a, like an honorary intern there or something. Yeah, because you know? that was actually a really cool time because that was like kind of when we were going after the sauce. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. was like a, it was, it, I think like 50 was just coming up. It was a very, you know, it was a dynamic period and it was exciting again, I think. Um, and yeah, that's when like Just Blaze had his video game column at XXL. And 
You were responsible, I remember, for instrumentals, and that was like a really big thing that you did. And also, I think this was like the best of both worlds. It was like a grown and sexy period in mm. in rap, and so you did a lot of like R and B and and rap mixes and things like that. Talk to me about sort of like the bones or in the architecture of like your your business plan at the time. Um, my business plan it was I was coming out of Brooklyn like sixteen, seventeen, and uh, you know, I I, I wanted to do mixtapes like DJ Clue, right? You know, and um. I'll, I'll go back a little bit. You know, I really, I thought I was going to be something totally different. I thought I was going to be like a sports agent. Okay. You know, so all through high school, I did a, a variety of weird internships. Yeah. I, I worked for Prospect Park. I worked for Fox News Channel for a summer. I worked for Goldman Sachs. Sure. And, casual. <laughs> Normal. <laughs> you know, it was a, it was a alternative high school. Mm-hmm. So in those alternative, alternative schools, they're like, they're like, you know, they're, they're like, you're not going to make it, so we're going to give you all the extra programs to make sure you, like, make it in the world. You right, know? so there's, like, a vocational aspect to it in terms of, like, you're probably going to not be going to college. Like, this is a sort of assumed for you or what? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, so, that's... So it's, like, pretty horrible, but the good thing about it was a lot of opportunities, and Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. pretty much owned the school. They funded the school all the way. Sure. So they were like, oh, this kid can speak well. Let's put him in front of all the opportunities. <laughs> right, right. You are well-spoken, <laughs> sir. Come up here. <laughs> but again, they put me in front of everything. So every major opportunity the school and had. And you were the one who was like trotted out as mm-hmm. like, the model. Wow, okay. And then, you, you were and, like an Asian person. Yeah, it worked out. You know? Cool. And then by seeing, but I, I was never a great student. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't give great grades, but I, I, I was always like the class, person that the class went to. You right, know, right, like right. There was right, a problem, right. student body president, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, let's go talk to Randall. He know how to talk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, you were the whisperer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. This is not much different than what I do now. You know, in um, senior year, I started like a, a record store in school. Of course you did. And, uh, As it, you do. It was easy. It was a second, you know, second half, second half in New York City high school, you don't have a lot of credits to go for. Okay. You know, so. And you, meanwhile, you have all of New York open to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, this is fresh. This is like, um, you know, at the time after I finished working at Goldman Sachs, I really wanted to work in Nike Town. Oh, I mean, at the time that was like a great job. Yeah, yeah I'm 16. Employee years discount. Long. Yeah, 30 percent. Yeah, that's and real. Senior year, I'm going back to school rocking. You know, totally. So when that didn't happen because of 9/11, they shut down all the, uh, the opportunities. You know, right. they sent me a letter like we're, we're freezing all the hiring. Right, right, right. So I was like, I gotta switch my game up a little bit. So totally. in school, I used to you know sell mixtapes as a hobby, like one on one. And I was like depressed about the Nike Town thing, and my friend was like, "You know, you could sell the mixtapes in in school. Mm-hmm. I mean, you sell them on Canal Street." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I was like, "Okay, cool." So I made twenty, and I brought them to Canal Street, and I sold ten. Then I brought them downtown Brooklyn uh, to like Bargain Bazaar. I don't know if that's there anymore. And I sold fifty. Like I sold the other ten, and then mm-hmm. they called me back two days later. They asked for a hundred, and boom, I was in business. It's straight paid in full. And this know? is this is a crazy time too, because this is the the aughts where you physically bought. Like someone like would release a, a a disc, and you would go physically buy a CD. Yeah, and that's why that's why my competitive advantage there was being sixteen, because I had Napster and Kazaa, sure. yeah, and I could download all the songs early, and all the other DJs were kind of dinosaurs, so yeah. I'd be able to find different things, techni- uh, like early abstract records that, you know, random people would find in the market, yeah. and that's how I got my niche, between that and instrumentals, and, sure. and then so the business plan around then was just keep selling more CDs, you know, I sold 40, then I sold 100, then 200, then as I started going on, I started selling about like three to 4,000 CDs every month per well, release. That's crazy, so, I mean... It, at your peak, I suppose, how much are you making a week as a as a kid? 
I didn't keep good books back then. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I say by the time, I think my peak was like around 18. Around the time you were seeing me, I was probably making like, uh, like 15, 15, 20 grand a month maybe. Wow. As, as like an 18 year old. And yeah. what were you doing with the money? I ate out a lot. <laughs> but you you were kind of shrewd though cuz I remember you weren't like you weren't like flossy like you weren't you you never this was like I think this was when like bape was really in and you never really spent money on like conspicuous consumption type shit. I didn't save money either though. Oh, I, interesting. I, I, I was just uh I would just kind of burn it in in culture. You know, I would right. go down to Soho, I'd buy books, I'd buy a lot of books. Right. Um I'd travel different little places. Yeah. I, would, I would just buy everything I could because it was like you made you made $20,000, right? And then you would say about the cost of the CDs about um I don't remember it's like twenty five percent of it, so sure. like five percent, fifty, uh, uh, whatever percentage, twenty five percent is going sunken in the cost. Yeah. You know, then you have to pay expenses. You're traveling around. There was no Uber back then. It's true. So I enrolled like somebody from my school as my assistant slash driver. <laughs> he was getting like six hundred. Very a week. enterprising. Mm-hmm. He was getting three hundred a week. Then there was another guy who was selling CDs. He was getting another three hundred a week. So I had a little enterprise going yeah, on. Yeah, totally. And then I would eat out a lot, so I would, I would buy Time Out in New York Magazine, all these places, and I would just go to different restaurants every single day for like lunch and dinner that's incredible because it's not even like i mean it's not stuff you're going to declare to the irs anyway so you may as well burn through it um so you know when what were your other friends doing at the time like the ones who weren't hired by you like who who was your like peer group because you were always kind of a lone wolf to me i, I had tunnel vision because most of the other kids were trying to figure out they were either like struggling in community college or mm-hmm. had like regular jobs like a ups or anything so I, I wasn't kind of um, locked into that group, right. you know. By the time my senior year was going, you know, the teachers and everybody knew what, what they knew that I was going to go that direction, right? You know, I remember like two teachers gave me business cards when I left high school. Like, <laughs> they were like, you know what? I would appreciate if you had hired me at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's cool though. I like I seen I had a meeting with my counselor maybe two weeks ago. Oh shit! She had like an artist that she wanted me to introduce me to. She's like, I know somebody at Sony. You know, what I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah, so I I, I keep in touch with them but they always kind of protected me a little bit and right. just said oh he's a little different so he's gonna sure call. so was college ever an option for you i went to college where did you go to college i went to hunter university hunter college did you graduate no nah. <laughs> <laughs> i made it two months what did you major in um i don't know i didn't get that far i, I made i got accepted because back then um it was a 1600 scale mm-hmm. i know they switched it but they switched it back yeah and if you got more than 1100 you got into every possible CUNY college right. except for Queens College, which you needed 1200 Right. So I got 1150 So I was like, oh, Hunter's the name I know. So I went yeah, to yeah, Hunter. Yeah, you're like, brand recognition. <laughs> I'm going to go to here. Mm-hmm. And so you were there and you're like, oh, no. Uh-uh. uh-uh. I have four, Why? four classes. It was English, which was boring. Music, it was horrible. Horrible. Early modern, modern European history, which I was like, hell no. Right. I liked economics, though. Sure. That was cool. And then, um, but the... um coolest part about it was college radio mm. and you actually i don't forgot i don't know how to pronounce his name i forgot it now he, he'll kill me but he was my uh, boss there he's actually he's a writer oh, okay uh, he works for like jay-z now life and times now but he used to oh. work for like giant and a different shandra way. yeah he was my boss oh shut up <laughs> mm-hmm. that's crazy i worked with shandra mm-hmm. lovely he, man <laughs> now he's, he was super cool yeah and he, he would let me go i had my radio show for an hour so i stopped showing up to class maybe after a month why but, why that's what I was asking. Yeah, it, this is just pointless <laughs> for you. You're like, this is not applicable to my life. No, I was making. I had to stop 
making money to go to go school. Go to it. <laughs> you know? You're like, this is counterintuitive and counterproductive. The person to the left, you're like, hey, why are you here? And yeah, they're, yeah, and they're, yeah. they have, they're on a path. They're like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I need mm-hmm. to be this thing. I need to be in school for four years and plus two. Right, right, right. And the other guy was like, I'm just here because my parents making me go. And what did you want to be at this time? Is this still circus sports agent, or did, were you like, I'm going to be in music? Oh, no. As soon as I got that uh, that Canal Street money, yeah. I said I was going to be in music. Yeah. And, and also, I- you kind of, you got a lot of accolades. I mean, you were winning, like, you know, I was listening to your podcast with the It's The Real guys, and, you know, you were, and I remember, because I was there, you were mi- winning, like, Just Joe's Mixtape Awards and, like, things like this, and, like, people knew who you were. It, it was weird. It was a time where mixtape DJs were, like, hot. Mixtape yeah, Mixtape DJs totally. were, like, um... What's the equivalent now? Like it's influencers. It was it was really cool to be yeah. in because it, it was peaking. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just like MTV was talking about mixtapes. I I got in right before the boom. Right. And um, you know, I, I would run around the streets all day, and I'll you know guys like K Slay and DJ yeah, Clue, yeah, totally. Envy, all these guys would kind of be. They'll be a little bigger than me, but they're my my peers. You know, sure. and I, my draft class is like DJ Drama, yeah. and DJ Vlad, and it it, it, was, it was it was a lot of fun. And I was always like the youngest guy. Yeah, you, I was gonna say by um. A considerable margin, mm-hmm. and, and and which 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 was good and bad because uh, it was good because that gave me a niche. It gave, that's why I think people wanted to write about me yeah. because it was like it was weird. Like this nineteen year old kid is doing yeah, this mixtape. Doogie House yeah. But it's the, like almost famous, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the cons were that you know I didn't really grow much as a person. I didn't have a lot of life experience. You know, sure. Uh, I, I didn't do like outside of those jobs and travel much as a kid mm-hmm. you know so it was like i mean i did a little bit but not like you know the kids in manhattan right so um you know so I, I didn't have a lot of life experience so i just thought everybody was trying to play me i really that was my mind state every day i would mm-hmm. wake up and like i had a chip on my shoulder i was like you know everybody's trying to play me because i'm young so i'm gonna show them right you know it was very new york city grinded out um so it was cool but i, I was also at that point searching for mentors you know and yeah. I, I think leo i mean leah she really helped me a lot just like, you know, saying, hey, dude, chill out. I'm so angry. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like so chill too. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, you know, speaking of kind of getting screwed over and stuff, I don't think I understood that you introduced Saigon to Just Blaze and then you ostensibly got cut out of the sort of deal of that situation. Okay, so my manager at the time was saying that, you know what, you should become an A&R. Right. Because you pretty much do that anyway. I'm like, so what does an A&R do? He says he finds talent. He does this, does that. So it's like, cool. So anytime I had, I'm still like this. I have my mind on something. I'm just that now. Right. Okay, now I'm an A&R. So, you know, I built a relationship with Just Blaze on the Rock the Mic tour. I would just go to on tour and talk to him and talk to him. And I'd go up to the studio and talk to him. So one day I started pitching him on this um, and having a label. I'm like, listen, you know, Kanye West is really blowing up. You know, and at the time he was bigger than Kanye. And then no, Kanye, I remember that. And Kanye started passing him. And then Jay-Z was retiring. So I feel like he had a lot of downtime and he owned the studio. It's like, you should start a label and make me the A&R. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I'll make you an A&R, but um, there's not going to be any money until you get the deal until you find an artist. Right. What year is this, just to give 2003, top of 2004. Okay. And I'm like, cool, it's a deal, you mm-hmm. know? And um, so I, I brought I called a new Saigon from the mixtape circuit. I brought him to Just. Boom. It's like a match made in heaven. Right. And um, so what happened was I used to go to the studio every, every day, every week for eight months, working in the studio and yeah. working out the deal with Atlantic Records. And what ended up happening was he signed a deal with Atlantic and the production company, which is like the label the artist assigned to, was sure. signed to Hip Hop since 1978, which is uh, my mentor, Kiambo Joshua, and uh, his partner, G. Robeson. Right. And Just Blaze stayed on as executive producer. Mm-hmm. So through that, technically, I wasn't, uh, well, legally, I wasn't, uh, 
I wasn't supposed to get any money from that because all of Just Blaze's money came as a producer. Right. It was a lot of money. It was like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Sure. And um, then that was like my first realization about like, that was my first time I got like screwed over in the music business. So in that situation, like, how do you prevent that from happening? Um, You kind of lawyer up. You know what I mean? Okay. You, you know, I, I you know I licked my wounds. I started a, a, a LLC. Mm-hmm. I found another client um, who was uh, Saigon's friend at the time. Okay. Uh, named True Life. And, okay. Um, and this is by your LLC. You mean the famous firm or? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's an artist management sort of development. It was like an um, artist development yeah. company, okay. but I didn't know what it was. I just knew I had to get something going. Yeah, because you're like, I need for there to be a a recognizable entity that would get paid in these circumstances. So that's sort of ha- what you would do. It's like, because you, you can't just be like, no, but my name is Sycamore and I mit- made it so that these two are friends now. And then mm-hmm. that gives you some sort of agency because that will never happen. Nope. But okay, the thing I also really want to talk to you about is that like, you know, you're in a circumstance where relationships are everything. Everything's Everyone's doing it for the love of the culture and da da da. When do you start talking about money? Because I feel like that's really challenging for a lot of like young people. Right then and there, you yeah. know, the first time you get burned is when you start thinking about money because okay. everything is for the culture at that point. But the first time, like, you, you, you get screwed over a little bit, mm-hmm. you start thinking, I got to protect myself. And what would you, how would you do that in a circumstance like that? Would you be like, okay, so I'm, do you say I need a title so that I can be blah, blah, blah? Or is like, what kind of paperwork are you sort of looking for at that point? If I would do, if I was to do it now, yeah. I would say, um, well, let's work for this amount of months. Yeah. And if we reach these goals, right. then we'll take it a step further. Because mm-hmm. a lot of managers never have contracts. Okay. You know, but at the time, I never identified myself as a manager. Right. I just, was, I thought I was the A&R. Yeah. So, um, so now I think in a certain situation, we would have those guidelines kind of laid out. Right. And as soon as you hit them, it's like, boom, now we're in business. Right. And then by then you're like, by the way, also, I am a business. So this is my business that's coming to the table and this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But good. it still gets shady, though. Like, no, you know, I'm sure like, it does. It still gets shady. Right okay. Um, so and at that point, I find it sort of interesting because then you got a big job. You know, this is like 2006. And like, so you created Famous Perform before that Atlantic job well i I created it after maybe a couple months after okay but in my head i created it before (laughs) yeah sure of course you're like i did this for this very valid reason Mm -hmm. so i yeah i recall when you got that job at atlantic and it was a really big deal you were still really really young i was 21 so i was the youngest director of a&r they ever hired Mm -hmm. because you know they could have hired they hired younger assistants maybe sure maybe hire manager but director was pretty high to have like an assistant a corporate card everything but that was like the karma for the other thing, because what it was, was the guys who uh, had the production company. Yeah. You know, becoming my mentor, hip hop. He's the one who gave me the job with Got Atlantic it. Records. So they're like, oh, well, no, we know your work. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. come back before. You have a pedigree. And you, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's also really interesting because at that point, you could have been so salty that you set fire to every bridge worth set, every flammable thing possible when you got cut out of that deal. Like you just held your tongue and you're like, okay. And then you kept going. And then. Kind of. I kind of started fi- setting a lot of fires. Because what happened was... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, don't, don't get it twisted, I set fires. No, because the, the artist who came to me, True Life, next, he mm-hmm. was like, he reached out to me and he said, hey, you know, can you do what you just did for yeah, Saigon? Yeah, yeah. So I sat there and I wrote, I still have the plan, I wrote like a, a 21-page plan for him mm-hmm. called The New New York. I was like, we're going to take over New York, we're going to do this, we're going to move right, around right. like this, we're going to bring the city back, and that's right. going to be our campaign. And I campaigned with him for five months, and then we had a bidding war. Right. And, you know, Sony uh, Sony was involved with the bidding war. I know Snoop was involved with the bidding war. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z ended up winning the bidding war. Right. 
And after he got his deal, and he, we shopped the deal off my mixtape. Right. That's when everyone started calling me. Okay. They were like, okay, cool. You did it once. It's like, ha You did it again. They're like, right. oh, yeah, you're, you're nothing to play right, with. Right, right, right. And I had every every rapper, every manager in the, in the whole um, city calling me up. And the call that meant the most was my uh, mentor. Right. And he says, hey, why don't you come work over here? Yeah. And I was like, then I, I didn't feel as bad. Okay, sounds good. So it's funny because, like, there's a lot of people who quit corporate jobs and go work for themselves but you kind of had the reverse trajectory like what made you decided to take like a fucking jobby ass job at that point oh uh, it was cool you know i had a cool title yeah an office you know what i mean um and I, I was 21 so it was, it was something to do my parents were really happy yeah i'm sure you're <laughs> like this my mother will understand finally yeah she came up to the office she saw it around it's like oh you have a real job and like she saw a paycheck so she she loved it yeah. you know you're like but, i have health insurance yeah mm, everything and um but two years into it mm-hmm. I, I hated it why because you know there's a lot of things you don't know about corporate life when you move far up there's people that you pass by sure that are looking at you there's people that want you to fail there's politics you have to play yeah i'm sure there was a lot of schadenfreude involved with the fact that a 20 21 year old wonder kid just gets like mm-hmm. the job that everybody wants yeah, and so you know everybody wasn't that happy for me sure but at the same time i didn't i didn't learn i had to learn the hard way you sure. know you're learning on the job yeah you i know? mean there's a reason why certain people come up from the mail room and then just you know can work through a company like that but you got hired very high up and it was, you know, and I wasn't, I didn't get hired as the bottom guy. I got it, you know, I was like a, a mid-level guy. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of expectation. Sure. And the first year I thought, okay, this sucks. And then I, I signed one person, but they're not letting me maneuver. Mm-hmm. And in, in retrospect, I just didn't know how. It's a lot more, uh, what's the, it's a, it's a, it's a lot more, um, what's the HBO show? The guy maneuvering for president. Oh, wait, the HBO show or? Netflix. Netflix, yeah, House of Cards, Frank Underwood. Yes, I didn't yeah. have I didn't have any Frank in me back then. Yeah, you, you know, didn't know about the machinations and the politics and mm-hmm. like which which D's to S. You know, <laughs> and I, all of that. I was all culture. This is dope. I'm gonna drive it yeah, home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel very passionately <laughs> about this. So year one, I was like, this I'm over this. I was ready to quit. And the uh, head of the department sat me down. He took me to the coffee shop. And he sat me down. He's like, listen, um, just work under me for the next year. If you don't like it, then you could quit. Okay. They always saw me as a lot of potential, but I was a hothead, you know? Yeah. So I worked on another... Wait, what, how were you a hothead? Were you just, like, a maniac in meetings and, like, just highly opinionated? Like, what what does that actually, like, mean? Like, I remember one time I went to, like, the head of uh, the head of radio, mm-hmm. and I was just, like, venting to him that, um, you know, they're not letting me maneuver stuff. This yeah. is not happening. And uh, I, I didn't understand that that would affect, like, the chairman of the company at the time. So when I time I went to the next meeting, they're oh, like, right. they're like, yo, so you're gonna talk about, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. it's like I, that's the first time I, I learned about like the corporate size, like you know, if you, sure, you're in the different sure. departments, things like that. And at that time, I, I realized I did something wrong, but I only realized I did something wrong after. Sure. So all all the knocks like were hard knocks, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I was like, uh, you know, this is this is not working for me, you know. I, I was I, and I stopped I stopped doing mixtapes. Okay. I, I said I'm gonna be an adult. I got a job now. You know what I mean? I'm going to leave these kid- this kiddish things behind me. I know more anything. I'm focused on being an executive. And I, I was just over it, you know, and I feel, I feel and, like... And you regret that, the fact that you sort of became sort of myopic and very involved in just, like, the job. Yeah, I still regret it. Okay. You know, um, it's like, because that... Because you built up a lot of cachet and you had a lot of credibility within that world. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's like just letting it all go to start over from scratch. Do you think that it's sort of, like, 
sad that you created this like false hierarchy and thinking that like the mixtapes and the street stuff was like down here and that like the sexy office job is like up here and like all that stuff yeah in in retrospect definitely you mm-hmm. know what i mean because you at the end of the day the culture is where it's at sure you know and that's something that you know you still struggle with even through you know the ups and downs you of know course. you always wonder like what could have been like you know if i would have stayed in that trajectory would you know i'd have been diplo for something you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> totally so what what was like your last day like how did you finally decide you were done um i was talking to my friend who was uh he worked at he was an executive in another department of the company mm-hmm. i said you know what i'm about to walk in and resign right now why i was just over it and you know what it was i didn't like feeling like uh i didn't like feeling like i'm competitive mm-hmm. so i didn't like feeling like I, I wasn't pulling my weight right so I, I walked into the chairman's office and i said hey you know i think i think i want to resign mm-hmm. um you know i feel like you know I'm, i told him just that I said, i'm competitive you know i don't feel like it's working for me maybe i need to go in the street yeah and work out a little bit more yeah. so i'm not leaving to go take another job i'm going i'm going to um is that terrifying though i mean like you're in there and you're like, hi, chairman, I'm having an existential crisis. I don't have another job lined up, but I'm leaving. Like, no, where not, are y- you're 23 years old. You're right. like, I, I could do this again. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you're not thinking like, oh, you're not going to have another opportunity like this. You're mm-hmm. thinking like, I could, I got one, I got another one. Sure. You know, and my, my concept was the famous firm. I wanted to line up and do this artist development company. Right. So it was very like Jerry Maguire-ish, you know. Like, yeah, I, you, you took the fish. Yeah. <laughs> and he was very he was very supportive. He was like, "Cool. This is great." You That's know what I nice. mean? And um he's like I, I think like being a boss and being supportive when someone leaves you is like one of the most sensational things ever. Like I remember when I quit Double XL to work um to basically launch my own magazine and I really thought Elliot was going to be angry with me. Cuz I mean, he was such a terror back then. He was like I think he was like famous for throwing stuff at us, like throwing change at us or when he was angry. Yeah. Um, and I really thought it was going to freak out, but he gave me a hug and he was like so moved by the fact that I was leaving. And I was, you know, to this day, I think the generosity, um, in bosses who let people go with so much grace is like just unrivaled. I think that's gorgeous. (laughs) It's like, it gives you another level of confidence. It's almost like like your parents saying, you go ahead, you you could do it. It's yeah. Getting, (laughs) and it's funny because like, you know, when you're young, you're like, I don't need your blessing. But when you get it, you're like, I so appreciate your blessing. (laughs) Um, so he said, do your thing, and you left, and you did just that? Yeah, and I, I started, and uh, the guys downstairs at, at Asylum, mm-hmm. they, when I was walking out the door, I said, well, if you ever need to use anything, mm-hmm. you know, you could use the offices, you could do stuff here. When I walked out the room, the guy was there, he was like, and my boy Joey, he's like, you did it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so what I ended up doing is I, I started using all the interns that I met, um, all the different people over the time. It took like six of them, and then started the famous firm. And I'd have reps in different cities, like New York, I had an L.A. rep. Different okay. things, and we started an artist development company, and I just ran it out the twenty fourth floor. Nice, and uh, you know, so I had some clients that kept me afloat, and it was cool. It was a cool, it was a cool uh, startup. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, you know, we had the morning. Our our uh, our core was our daily call. We had like a ten a.m. call that mm-hmm. we'd all get on the same page, and six reps moved to ten and moved to fifteen. Right. Then we had an organization. We yeah, had sales yeah. goals. We had a, it was a it was a real a thing. legit ass thing. Yeah. And this is when you were working with Nicki Minaj. Yep, I met Nicki through then. Okay. And, um, she was like the first management client that we brought in. Oh, that's amazing. How did you sort of, you know, everybody has a different. Um, story for like that galvanizing moment when they recognize that someone's gonna be famous but like did she always have it 
Yeah, from day one. Yeah. So in the second and you saw her on the DVDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like yeah. Uh, freestyling in the tub, you know. Yeah, she, yeah, she's, yeah. She just had it from day one. She was amazing. And so, you know, other people wanted to, to of work course, with her. Of course, because she's, she's from New York. Mm-hmm. She actually writes her own things. Yeah, you can, like, and she's, like, hot, and you can do things with her. So, yeah, I remember, like, the excitement about that. I'm like, oh, she's the next Foxy Brown. Yeah, you for know? sure. Like, did you, what did you learn from her? I learned a lot about uh, artist temperament. I learned a lot about just being, What does that mean? That sounds like a really diplomatic way of saying, like, any number of things. Like, you got to be able to take shit from an artist, but okay. not, but in a way that you have to understand and not getting mad because of you right. or of how they're saying it, like listening to what they're saying. Sure. Because these people, they build up their careers from scratch. You know right. what I mean? When how they, old is she at this point? I'm 23, so she's about 24. Right. I was going to say that's another fascinating aspect of it. It's like you're both fucking young. Well, you know, we're, we're invested into each other. But also both at this point, legitimately kind of veterans. <laughs> And, and she's the same way, mm-hmm. you know, and she's starting to build up. She's talking to Young Money about yeah, yeah, yeah. doing a deal. We're both ambitious, yeah. And, uh, you know, so we were with it. We're both, uh, we connected a lot because we were both Trinidadian, you know, right. and we were both born there. So it was like a cool combination. Yeah. And uh, it was cool working with her. You know, I liked working with her because she. What were your goals? Her goals, she always wanted to be the biggest artist in the yeah. world. We had to, um, she had to maintain a certain amount of money every month. Yeah. We had to get her from place to place. And Nikki didn't smoke. She didn't drink. She woke up at 8 a.m., which I thought was super early back then. Yeah, yeah, of course. You're like, this is bedtime. What <laughs> <Yeah>. are you doing? <laughs> Every single day. You yeah. know, she, and she was like, rise and shine. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. She re- she really moved in retrospect like a CEO. Yeah. You know, and then. Always. And that's how, you know, she is who she is today. Do you guys still have a relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um we linked up a couple years ago. I reached out to her to do the, yeah. the My Hitter remix. And, uh, Thank that... you for the radio edit version of the title. <laughs> no, <problem>. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, of course. And uh, you know, at first the manager was like, you know, you know what, you know what her fee is, right? And then uh, he called me back. Like, Listen, she's gonna waive the fee, and she wants to talk to you. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah, because you know, when 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 we um when we left, it was like she was. We were at a Vibe magazine shoot, mm-hmm. and I was like in DC doing something, and her trailer wasn't big enough, and something else was going wrong, and I wasn't there. Yeah. So she's flipping out at me on the phone, and you know she has some reasons to flip out at yeah, me on the yeah, phone. Yeah. I should be there, you know. Absolutely. And um, I just like you know what I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> you know, click. And she, do you regret that? Oh yeah. And she called me. She called me again. Like, listen, are you sure? Right, 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 right. She's like, do you recognize what this moment is for what it is? Yeah. And I was like, yes, I'm sure. Like, I'm not dealing with this shit. You know. Wow. I mean? And um, I was I was like a real transcendent point because at that time, like the job, like that, it was always. How long did it take you to regret that decision? Um, super base. <laughs> <laughs> fair <laughs> um but you know at, at that point that was a life lesson for me more because it was everything was easy for me to just quit at that point yeah you know what sure I mean? any kind of relationship I, I was young and talented so mm-hmm. i always felt like i needed to just oh this is not working i'll just quit you know yeah, what I mean? you I'd had just, the right combination of ears that were would listen to you too so yeah i'm like well i have to keep doing it. and that and that point is when you know um that's when i started like real life started catching up to me sure you know so, so how do you monetize a relationship like working with the Nicki Minaj in that capacity? Is it like a retainer or is it just like she gets big, then we'll get big? Um, well, yeah, it's kind of like if you're a manager, you mm-hmm. know, you make uh, 15 to 20 percent off of every deal. 
Yeah, for all ancillary things, mm-hmm. you know, and then depending on how early you get in there, you right. know what I mean? You make money off of um, touring, publishing, um, merchandising. Sure. Uh, you know, deals with like Revlon or something like sure. that. I mean, the hope is when you when you work with them early, they're gonna get big later. Sure. Um, that's like how so, the management business is. So there's a certain amount of risk involved in just you riding with this person, sort of like waiting for them to come to fruition. Yeah, some sweat equity, you know. Yeah. And, and then and it's the same thing, you know, as a and R too. You know, a lot of times, like I've made my career mm-hmm. on. Uh, helping artists who people don't really understand, sure, and helping them get to the forefront. So it's right, kind of, and to translate that for them, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a thing, you know. It's like you, you're at that point, you guys are entrenched in a goal mm-hmm. that you two believe in, right, more than everybody anybody in this world, right, you know. And so somebody who's a creative, you know, that's all they ever needed. You just need one person to be like, you know what, I'm in it with you. Cho- yeah every single day just like look me in the face every morning and tell me i'm not fucking crazy mm-hmm. like oh no oh you are crazy but i'm crazy yeah, yeah, with yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> we are the same flavor of crazy and we're gonna get rich it's gonna be great yeah. um so how do you how do you manage your money i don't manage my money uh you know how, or how much better are you at it now basically you know i had a terrible philosophy most of my life which was, is what share it with our listeners i was always like i'm gonna make more yeah. You know what I mean? But I think some of that is kind of important. I feel the same way about ideas, you know, as I do with money. Like, not that, like, I never, you know, I I never buy a lot of shit, but I don't worry about where it's going to come from. You know, the way I look at it is, you know, because, you know, in the corporate life, I got the 401k and yeah. some savings and, you know, I'm looking at different things. But for the most part, you know, money doesn't drive me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really like, you know, I look at it like when I'm 67 years old, when I'm 67 years old, like I want to know how my kids, my grandkids are going to look at me and the work that I did and, you know, how that's going to work out. Right. You know, and uh, I would look at the albums that I work on, the songs that I did. If mm-hmm. I made like a Spotify playlist of all the records I did, it's going to be dope. <laughs> if I go to a party, they're going <laughs> right, to play the right, record. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, so so the, the money the money is kind of like I'm, I'm, I'm working it out, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, the luckily the, the jobs, they, they pay really well. And the artists I work with, they pay really well. But I look at it like almost like a like a director or actor. If you do a great job, they're going to pay you the most amount of money. Because before, I used to read a lot of business books and try to structure things. Like what? Like who moved my cheese? Like seven you know, habits. Rich dad, that poor, poor dad, dad yeah. the cash flow quadrant. You know, you, <laughs> you, you, you start late, finish rich. Anything you could think of. Right. And then uh, a, a change of philosophy into like, you know, how do they pay Kobe? Why is Kobe the best, play player, best paid player? And they pay Kobe because he's the best. Right. So, you know, when I, after the Nikki thing happened, I changed my philosophy and I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop doing so much. I'm just going to try to be like the best A&R in the world, the best right. hip hop A&R in the world. That's interesting because it, it would be really stupid and kind of greedy to try to do like a massive land grab for like, who's talented? Let's get all of them. Because obviously like you're just going to spread yourself so thin that you're not going to be able to do anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, you, ch- you change you change what you're doing. You know, before mm-hmm. I was like, I'm great at everything. I could do shows. Yeah. I could write a blog. I could manage an artist. I could do artist development. But you spread yourself so thin. Right. You know, so at that point, I started pooling all of my um my energy into just artist development and right. A&R. And I said, you know what? Whoever's gonna, whoever I work with is gonna be huge. And so this is, and then you went to Def Jam. A little bit, you know. At first, I I ended up working with this kid, Rich Hill. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he was like, he gave me a lot. He learned from him. I learned a lot because he showed me like a different side of the world. Sure, and, and because it, he's Tommy Hilfiger's child. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's like, 
Which is anthropologically really specific. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that was like, you can't make that work. You know what I mean? Like, what Well, that's, a, that's actually really interesting because I think that there should be, I think you should get a tiny award for morale and general good humor because you rode for dude for a really long time. And like, you put a lot of effort into that. And what is obviously to anyone with internet and SEO ranking knowledge, like, that's a tough sell. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it was we ended up getting a record deal from yeah, it and making a great project on it. He had to put up a song with The weekend. Things yeah, really started to happening. Started happening. And then from there, I just kept that momentum because mm -hmm. at that point, I just needed somebody to believe in. Right. You know, and he believed in me like I believed in him. Right. And then from there, I started working at uh, Warner Brothers. Right. Uh, and at Warner Brothers, they weren't paying me any money. When I say working at Warner Brothers, I mean like I just show up every single day. How do you do that? <laughs> um, like how do you in your heart like not feel washed and taken advantage of and just show up and go, I'm just here for the potential opportunity to find the next big thing. And I have enough faith in myself and my work ethic and my taste level that I'm going to make this happen. Because it's so nebulous. You know, though, like when you when you really like, you you know, you're you're an incredible writer. You know, you write for all the top publications, everything, you know, you know that if the chips got down and you could outright anybody in this world, like, you know, like you're one of the best in the world. Like, I, I really feel like, you know, I'm one of the best in the world. They could just throw me out in the street mm -hmm. tomorrow. Give me about 12 months. I'll be right back on my feet. But you don't have down days. Um. You got to fight through those. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I had down days around that whole era. Right. But then every what I what I, my problem was early was I needed to do everything by a certain time. I need to do this before I'm 25. No, I, I remember do this before that. You were such a drag to talk to when I was, like, someone's assistant and you were a child with money. <laughs> and you're like, by um, by the time that I'm your age, I'm going to get da-da-da-da-da done. And I'd be like, what the fuck? And I was like, I'm born in the 70s. I don't have that mentality. <laughs> And then sure enough, like when you got your first big job and I was still at Double XL, I was just like, wow, he did it. He did it. He did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? But I, I had to break all those agreements because yeah. cause then because you would get down to yourself like, oh, I need to do this by a certain time. But Were you ever scared? You're like, oh, my God, I'm going to get the living shit suit out of me by all these different people for various reasons that I can't anticipate. Yeah, no, you live life like a drug dealer. Like, you like you know, it's all going to happen one day, so you might as yeah. well just fight through it, and then after you're rich enough, you're going to be able to pay Do, all your bills. Have you ever bills. had, like, anxiety disorders or anything of that nature? No, it's kind of exciting. You know what I mean? It's really? kind of like, yeah, you, you, you live life kind of like a movie, for right. better or worse. The only, you, only, I had one real down point, though. Okay, what year was that? 2009, 2010. Okay, interesting, okay. Yeah, that, that's when I, I moved to L.A. for a little bit. Yeah. And I hated it. That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I moved back and I was trying to figure everything out. I was like in a real bad relationship mm -hmm. um, for both both reasons, for me and her. Yeah. And um, I was at my mother's house one day and she's like, hey, you know, you ever think about getting a job? And that was the first time I was like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the opposite of the boss thing. Yeah. 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 You know, and I was like, I really thought about it. Like, what would I do? Yeah. Like, would I work on a dock? Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I had no would idea. Would I work on a dock? I think you're not in any danger of that ever being your reality. <laughs> I, I didn't know. Though. Yeah. Like, I didn't. I just, that's the first time I even thought about it. And then from that point on, I was just like, boop. So every day, yeah. every day it would just be like, forward progress yeah, yeah you know yeah. what i mean a little bit a little bit a little bit okay cool i got this going today i met this person today i did this person today yeah, boom yeah, boom yeah, boom yeah. boom until the point where i got to def jam you can get excited about yourself again so you're at def jam and you know you're a and ring 
how how did they approach you, I guess? Like, how did that job come about? Well, you know, it's the ties. My boy, Joey. You know, he was there when I walked out in Atlantic. Right. He was the guy at Asylum who let you work out of his office. He was the one at um, Warner Brothers Mm -hmm. who just let me pop up there every single day. Yeah. And then when he got, he became the president of Def Jam. Right. So when he became president, I was the first person he hired. Nice. You know, and I was like, cool, this is the... This is the shot I needed. <laughs> You're like, namaste, thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, I, was, I was like, you know, I'm like, a, I'm like a ball player. I was just waiting for a contract. Were I know you I'm... leery of going back to an office, though, like in that capacity? Or were you like, no, I'm good. This is great. No, I'm Denzel Man on Fire at this yeah. point. I'm like, just... <laughs> I'm like, they fucked fair, up now. <laughs> that, that's, 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 what my, that's what my head is at that point. So, yeah. And they, they laid it out to me like, okay, cool. We want you to work on these three artists. We want you to work on Little Reese, Little Dirk, and YG. And I'm like, Cool, let's go. You know? Right. And so speaking of those three in particular, um, let's go in order. Like I, again, think I listened to your podcast and you were talking about how excited you were um, to work with Lil Reese because this is at the time where everyone was like really excited about him and he's got a great look and he's really handsome and he's really, you look at him, you're like from your story to just your vibe, like you were a marketable entity. And then of course, like, you know, he was beleaguered by all these like weapons charges and then that girl he beat up on video and like all these things like when he can't stay out of jail at that point you know so many stars have to align for this kid to exist and then present himself in front of you where you finally got get to a place where you also have power to like you know make him a thing and all this shit happens like how do you not get totally sad it, it it was real real depressing, yeah. you know what I mean, working with him because you're so excited to work with him and then you just, just can't catch a break. It's like bad luck after bad luck. It's first right. the girl. Uh, I mean, in that particular case, it was less luck than the fact that, like, he really lit into her. Yeah, he went really bad on her, yeah. you know, and, and, and it, it was real, real bad. And the fact that he can register that he did something wrong, yeah. he was like, yo, you know, she... They, they, they had a gun in there. They was, yeah, so she was yeah. saying that she was going to bring somebody up to shoot me. I was like, you still can't do that. Because yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Chicago, you know, working with him and little Dirk and Jeremiah later, is you learn a lot about Chicago. And Chicago yeah, what did no, you learn about Chicago? Chicago is crazy. You know, yeah. the place is averages 500 murders a year. You right. know, so these kids, they, they grew up in a whole nother world. They grew up in a world where like, like put it like this, I was hanging out, I was worked with little Dirk for two years. Yeah. And I literally knew six people including his manager who was murdered in the year. One of his cousins' managers, like, hanging out every single day. Oh, Jesus. Like, it's a different mentality there. You oh, know what I mean? heartbreaking. So to explain to him that beating up a girl at a house party was right. bad in the sense for, like, they're actually at war every day. I'm not justifying it. I'm no, just I'm no, trying to, I'm trying no, to put no, you totally. in his head. You know, they're, they're, it's a whole other thing going on there. And it's so, the, 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 the part that I find so deeply upsetting is that, like, you know, to to also sort of sell them on this notion that they have a viable shot at, like, financial stability, fame, like, all of these things. Like, you, you go for it, and you must be, like, really driven to sort of, like, put yourself in that position where you want to be a rapper. But, like, he had a shot. It, it's, it's a little different for that crew because yeah. Chief Keith and him and those guys, yeah, sure. they, they kind of blew up by accident. There was like a viral video I don't right. like, and they were right in right, there. Right, and right, so it all right. happened real fast for them. But they're still in the street. They still have, their beefs are still real. The yeah. things that they're going for are still real, you know? Yeah. So that stuff doesn't stop. It actually uh, amplifies. And then, and then when you start... Right, because people want to come test you and all this shit. Yeah, so they, they're way deeper into it Did now. you ever feel that you were, like, were you ever scared? 
I was a little nervous sometimes. Yeah, I'm sure your mother was like, Jesus fucking. I, Did I, your mother know? No, she, she, had, no, she had no idea. Mm-hmm. Right. I would only send her like articles after they, a song was successful right, or right. something. I would never talk to her about it. Did you fear for like your safety? Mm, um, in, in Chicago, I did only yeah. because they did. You right. know, there was no safe zones. There's nobody who could protect you in Chicago. So when you're rolling around in Chicago, you go Is to- it worth it to you? Well, remember that thing when I told you you're in it with somebody? Yes. It's almost like being married. You don't. You're in a cult. You're yeah, indoctrinated. You, you don't, you know, if somebody doesn't get sick, they get scared, you don't leave. Right. You, you're in it with them because if you leave them, it's just like, man, you just. What is out. it about your personality that allows you to sort of put yourself into this like fugue state where logic is like, da da da? Um, because it's, 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 it's. Is that what it, is it's, that what it costs like, to make. No, I mean, there's, there's people who make great records and they don't, um, you know, people make great records and they don't have anything that like they do. Katy Perry, you know sure. what I mean? They, could, they do pop records, you know, right, they, right, they don't, right. they don't even, they don't even know these artists. Do, do what you, does what you do, like, is what you do worth it? Yeah, it's exciting. Oh, Jesus. Okay. I'm like a writer. Like, I, I also make really bad judgment calls, but, and also, I've been in situations, I've never been in situations where I felt like my safety was like very severely compromised. But yeah, yeah, if that was like a reality that you have to embrace and sort of embroil yourself in in order to make a truthful output. So like, it's like being a method actor. You oh, know what yeah, I'm saying? Totally. It's like you kind of got to be in it. You know, one time I was hanging out at a party and, and I was hanging out at Sway, that, that party. Mm-hmm. I was in the back of there and I'm just like bored out of my mind. Right. This guy comes up next to me and he goes, You know why you're bored? Nice opener. And he goes, because there's no hint of danger in here. It's everything is just very, like, plain. Right. And I look at him, like, you're right. And I walk out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're it's, like, and then I murdered someone in the face right there and there. <laughs> it's, it's exciting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I, when I just came here, I just, you know, I've been on tour. Yeah. And I flew back early to come do the podcast. You know, and then you're going to different cities every day. You're watching these things. You're watching these things grow. You're yeah. meeting new people. Like, it's, it's a rush. Yeah. So what did you learn from that experience that you applied to um yg um you know yg is in a similar situation right uh so you, you just had to protect him so is that why you moved the entire operation when you were working on his album to this atlanta yeah because everything is about gang politics there did you have to convince him that this was good for him or was he just like okay i'm willing to do this you know he was listening to me you know what okay. i mean he, he he's a very Why? he's very logical okay you know and at that point you were in it you know yeah and i think we we we, we did the mixtape yeah and we caught a bond over certain records sure so i'm like this is gonna work and if it didn't work you could always fly back right and after the first week the, the magic started to happen did you feel like you needed to sort of like put him in like sequester him in a different dynamic in order to get like a very cohesive album out of him you had to because there's a lot of a lot of distractions in your hometown sure you know i, I could barely work in new york because you know i'm almost somebody wants to have drinks someone wants yeah, to have dinner yeah, 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 yeah. you know I, I live in la now because it's like you know you have control of your own life totally and i think that's what's the problem you know you got family you got girls you got all these different someone, things. someone um actually my friend eddie who we were just talking about eddie wong he he was living out in Malibu for a while. I think he's coming back to New York, but he was saying that L.A. is like rehab. And I was living in L.A. at the time, too. And I was like, that is the realest shit ever. Yeah. You let your liver heal a little bit because New Yorkers drink like fucking fish. Mm-hmm. And you kind of unplug entirely yeah. from that sort of hustle of it. So you were um, recording in Atlanta. And how was that? It was awesome because we... 
we lived in two corporate apartments. Okay. Right. And I, lived, I was on the fourth floor. He was on the second floor. Mm-hmm. We would game plan during the day about what songs we we're going to make, how we we're going to record the record. Yeah. And at nighttime, we were on a schedule from six to six from Monday to Thursday and record. Okay. And then, you know, we, we came up with this plan to have an album that matched narrative wise and sonically. Yeah. And that was the game plan. Right. You know, so we we're working together towards this goal and it was a lot of fun. You know, yeah. and, and every day we'd be making like serious progress. We'd have three studios going at the same time. You what does I mean? that feel like? It feels like magic, you know. No, it does. You know, you got DJ Mustard in one room. You know what I mean. And what is DJ Mustard like? Mustard's competitive. Okay. You know what I mean. Is that? Are you guys all three of you similar in that? Oh room? yeah, a lot really. Of, it's like um. But how do three competitive dudes in like a summer camp Kool Aid drinking mentality not? Do you fight? Yeah. And it just but, resolves itself, or do you guys? We don't. Play? We don't. We don't fist fight. Well, I, <laughs> I wasn't saying that. Do you guys fist fight? No, more just like, how do you kind of come to a consensus in a situation like that? Um, the music wins. Yeah. You know, when the, when the song plays, you're and, like, we all have like really irreproachable taste. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of meetings. It's like it's like corporate. You know, you yeah. sit down about a song. You see, you three would sit there. You come up to break down who's mm-hmm. going to be on the record. Trial and error. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to bring this to the table. You're going to bring this to the table. And the, that fighting, that collaboration, right. is what makes the makes for the best um, team. Right. You know, when you have a team, everybody who's like fake nice and everybody likes each other. That's true. No, nothing gets done. All no. these bullshit brainstorms where you're like, why are thirty people in here? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there, it's like you got you got people who are, are all alpha males. You know, that's when you get that's when yeah. you get something like you know, I use a lot of sports references. But that's when you get like uh, those super teams, like the Miami Heat or something, because right. everybody plays and they push each other. When you right. don't when you don't fight in a locker room, you're not going to win a championship. Right. You genuinely believe that? Yeah. That's so butch. Um, so <laughs> is your work-life balance totally fucked up? Because you're talking about how you spent months like staring into the eyes of like, your artist in order to like make this album come to fruition. Like, I no, mean, it, it was for a little bit, but I recently got it together. Okay. Is it is it like feast and famine with that stuff? Or is it like, or, or is like this the year that you finally sort of found some balance with that? It's like off season, on season. Fair, totally. You know, yeah, yeah. That's like it's I, like when Leonardo DiCaprio gets fat. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so th- this off season, after uh, the Travis Scott album, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, I was wrecked. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure he's you know his he, energy too. It, it was like everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was it was a lot to. to how manage. much? How much of his? How much? Life force does that suck out of you? Not even just like the process of that, but like the tour and like everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, for that project right there, yeah. I literally had to use everything I ever learned. Really? As far as people, as far as work, as Why? far as relationships. Just because the type of artist he is? Because it was, it was a big goal, you know. And yeah, I, it was a I, huge goal. And after having all the success at, at Def Jam, yeah. I switched labels to right. Sony. Yeah. So all your success gets eliminated right, right away. Right, because you're only as hot as your, like, next thing basically yeah and, I left, and all my biggest assets were, were there even right. when i was leaving they're like who are you gonna work with <laughs> and then i was like travis scott they said good luck you right. know so it was a challenge you know so no I, it's it's so funny because that's the thing about like doing what you do it's like you're in alchemy or like or like it's like you like hunt for oil or something because until you hit it nobody believes you no even like i think you were um saying about yg that nobody believed that any any of that stuff like any of those songs would ever get play like it's such a tough sell always uphill but the the win the win when it works like my my favorite part of life is 
being right about something when people <laughs> doubt you. That's my that's my favorite part. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know if I got a problem or that's <laughs> <laughs> But you know, when you when you tell somebody this is gonna be good and no one believes you and it's right. good, you know, they, people have a newfound respect for you. Totally. And then they start listening to you. So, it is it is also interesting to me, you know, to go back to my crazy life a little bit. Um uh YG's album, his debut, which was a phenomenal album. Um it kind of low-key took you like almost a decade to get that level of recognition. And I feel like I've known you long enough that you were considered like precocious for so long, but things worth having still took you a long time. It was always potential. Mm -hmm. You know, I was always a young kid with a lot of potential. Right. What that album allowed me to do was to show people like this potential realize a little bit. Yeah. How did that feel? Did you were you like vindicated? Were you just running around being like "fuck you"? I did it, like crying. I was exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't leave the house much. You yeah. know, I was a little disappointed that we came in number two. Right. And uh, that was so I was depressed for like a week. And you got snubbed for a Grammy nom, which was tough too. That hurt too. But yeah. the, the the when people used to call calling me like I don't know, why you care about number one to number two, number one. The album's amazing. And then when they, after the, they started protesting the Grammy nom, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, like I'm still right. <laughs> so that was cool. You know. So that that but then then it's like now it's not potential. Now I feel like now you're on a big stage. Now you yeah. know now every now people expect that. Of you, which yeah. is comes with its own set of worries. Yeah, because now if you don't make it to that level, mm-hmm. you know, if it's not like that great every time, mm-hmm. um, then people you know, get salty at you. <laughs> then, then, then you're falling off. Yeah, that's true. But I like that because that's a, sure because you're a maniac. Yeah, that's that's do a space. Do you do drugs? Um, I stopped smoking weed for a long time. I didn't do it for like a year and a half. Okay. Because I'm one of those people who kind of like yeah don't really function well on weed. No, because you seem so focused and so... I mean, the, I, the other weird thing is that, like, I've known you for a while, but I've only ever seen you in the daytime mm-hmm. or, like, in a professional environment. Do you go out? Yeah, I go out all the time. I'm a, you must go out. Maybe I just don't go out. I'm, but, I'm more of a lounger. Oh, you are. When, I, when I'm in a club, I go with the artists. Right. But, but I'm, like, I like a lounger. Um, I like going to little restaurants. You know. Yeah, what I, mean? you, I know you're big on eating out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I like, I like to chill. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm I like lounges, mm-hmm. and like, I'm not, not a big clubber. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll go with the artist, and that's right. always fun. Um, sure. But you know, which is, which is Cause weird, because you attract, and when you, when you date, you attract a different kind of girl. Right. And they always like you because like, oh, you like the. Uh, the, the cool, hangers the cool. on with this particular gentleman. No, and but then they're trying to convince you that they're like, like smart and want to do things. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're like totally, the, totally. you're like the cool nerdy catch. Right, you know right. I mean? So you and then obviously okay, let's talk about Travis Scott. That was a crazy experience. And oh yeah, that you're, was, that you're was. a creative director. Yeah. So I'm, at that point, what happened was um. After YG came out, mm-hmm. I had some success with uh, Jeremiah too. Sure, and that album kind of got sh- slept on. I feel it was like it was it was bad timing. He should have dropped the album. People who's res- who I respect like musically love that album. Yeah, he it, you know music has a music has a moment. It's so weird, like it's so capricious and mercurial and crazy and like God, like to work in it. I mean, I admire the ever living bejesus out of you because you do it, but like it really is like. 
bottling lightning or something. Yeah, because you can you can have a great song, but if it doesn't come out at the right time, yeah, it, it could be an empirically great song. Mm-hmm, but yeah, it's the timing with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if Beat It how, came out right now, I don't know if it'd be a hit. How, how do you like? How do you feel about that? That's the game. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I heard Pharrell break it down the most. You know, I heard, I heard him break it down in an interview. He said that music is like a, a collective thought. It's like a wave just mm. goes by. That's why disco will be hot for women and then not be hot at all. Right. You know, the EDM will be blazing and stop because as a DJ, you have to you have to put things in there. So you're sure. always you're always trying to like put something in the consciousness of people and stay ahead of the curb. Right. And the fight is to stay ahead of the curb. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, to be the early adopter before things galvanize, but at least be accurate enough about it to call it when you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Being too early sucks too because mm-hmm. that's. That was my life for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. There's an Andy Warhol quote I'm going to send you about that, about being too early. <laughs> you know, the, the good thing about movies is that you don't have to be, hit this wave. Like, you could just come and drop a movie that mess everything up. And he was using that example for Happy. Mm. He's saying that since he did it with the Despicable 2 soundtrack, he didn't have to play the, the game. He could just drop a song in there and then it'll blow up, you know, which is cool. That's what the movies allowed him to do because they gave him money from a different way and a different level that's of promotion. A, that's like the most godlike type of creation ever. Like that must feel so different. And, that, and that's how that's why Happy's probably gonna be the, the biggest song in his generation, you know, mm-hmm. because he got to implement it from another space. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that was so weird too, because it's like you start seeing human beings as this like one mass. You're like, how is everyone on the same page that they like this? It's weird. It's so weird. Um, so we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, basically having to be in a cult with an artist um, in order to get a an album out. Do you, could you ever work with an artist you believed in talent-wise, but that you hated as a human being? Like, could your level of professionalism, like, ever get you there? If you want to talk about method acting, it's like embodying something that you hate the most, potentially. But yeah, could you do it, it? It's not about the person. You know what I mean? Like, if, if me and you are making an album... Are you, are you saying that you hate me? Is that is that what you're trying to say right if, now? If, you know what I mean? <laughs> I would, I'm never going to be like... If you, You're going to have your bad days. I'm going to have my bad days. But what's keeping us together is the fight for what we're making. Right. You know, so as long as we're fighting for that, then we don't have to even get along as long as we're on the same page about achieving that. And if we're on the same page about achieving it, then it's cool. I can't get along with an artist that that's not their top priority. Oh, okay. So that's what you have to be on board with you don't care about like yeah i don't care about anything like when, when you show up to work show up to work you right. know what i mean like we're here to go do this cause i'm i'm giving my all to you you know what i mean yeah, so yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, you need yeah. to be 100 percent focused i can't work with an artist who that's like who's, who's playing around like i'm I, I, I consider myself professional what's your th- what's your three strike rule with that like when do, when you're like okay you're not serious i'm gone and no it's a one strike rule i'm going, really yeah go to the studio and you never like fear that you're like missing out on money or something like that Money doesn't really drive me. That's it's true. like, but I, like that opportunity. Are you? Are you never like? Do you ever keep an eye on them, thinking like, are you gonna make it big? Are you gonna do this after I leave? No. Okay. It's kind of like it's kind of like because uh, they'll never make it if they don't have that drive, huh? It's kind of like I put this. It's like you know, the the achievers attract the achievers. That's you, true. You know, and, and now you've been in it long enough that you like must know what the archetype kind of looks like you feel it yeah you know you start going around the same people you know mm-hmm. what i mean your friends are, are all probably incredible writers and it's they, true they're all incredibly <laughs> talented. that's how i define friendship if they're, if they're good at it <laughs> you, 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 do you have like a friend that really like, sucks at writing but is a journalist no 
it's it's because you don't you you guys can't even get along because yeah, because I'm I'm pulling this all night and I'm gonna knock this yeah, out. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, and it's just too 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 depressing. I can't like bear witness to that level yeah, of they struggle. Got, <laughs> <laughs> they got excuses and everything. You know, it, <laughs> totally. It, it's just it's just the way it goes. Yeah. So you're at Epic. Um, L.A. Reed must love you. Yeah, I, I like him too. Yeah. yeah. What's the best piece of advice he's ever given you? Um, or like just like a management management style or some sort of thing that you observe that you're like I want to apply that to my life manage your schedule he said really he said your, your number one job as an executive is managing your schedule and managing your time okay you know because when I got in there I was talking a lot of things he's like listen you're gonna have to learn how every hour in the day and how to manage it and um you know from there I think what I've learned most from LA is gone from being an A&R to being mm. an executive and he always talked to me like that like this is what a chairman thinks this is what he like to really be. that's so cool because it's it's funny, like you hear things like chairman, VP, director, meow, 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 but you don't actually, like no one actually sits there and tells you like what that job is or even like expect to make this and this is what your new headaches will feel like. Like no one gives you that like well, transparency. Well, you also got to, you, you know, I think when you have a good boss, you can manage up. That's true. You know, and, and you could go and because the question I always ask every year is like, what, what is your expectations of me? Oh, do you? Yeah, because I you I, must love that. That's nice. I I need, yeah. I need, I need goals. Yeah. to know because I, I, if not, I'll be working in a vacuum. There's a book that I read that I learned that from. It's called The First Ninety Days. Okay, and it's when you have a new position of leadership, whether you're an entrepreneur, an executive, or just a promotion. There's certain things you need to do. You have to learn your job. You have to, and one of the one of the things is like uh, uh, negotiate your success. Right. So like when I got to Epic, the first thing. Um, First thing I asked, like, you know, what's what's the goal here? Yeah. Is to get Travis Scott's album done. Okay. And get him out. So yeah. that that was my focus. And that was easy for me because I knew exactly what success was. A lot of times I feel like in corporate world, you know, they hire you and then they don't give you that level of clarity. And you yeah. give you, you know, spinning your wheels for a long time. Or you're trying to like, you're, you, f- you worry that you'll feel dumb if you ask them outright as to what they expect of you. And so you try to suss it by like observing and then six months go by and like nothing's happened and you're bored. Mm-hmm. And they're frustrated with you because yeah. they're not doing what they expected you to do. As they say. What does it feel like when you help create a Travis Scott as we recognize him? It's the best feeling in the world. But what is it like? Like, are you just kind of like waking up every day super early and just really excited to go to work? I mean, like, is it is it? Can you even feel your face? Are you scared before the, the night before everything's about to happen? Like, the process is more fun than the end result. You yeah, know, the end result's kind of like sad because it's over. That's di- that's so different for me. Like I, I hate writing. Sitting down to write is the worst thing that I can ever experience. And it sounds like it's the flip for you. No, and the, the the studio. Yeah. And touring, the two best parts of the job. Why? Would, why? Why do you love the studio? That seems. I've sat in studio sessions and been like, okay, so we're just sitting here for eight hours. Like nobody's doing anything. <laughs> what is this? Wait, those are some bad A&Rs yeah. you're working with. Well, you know the the. The, the, my job is like is you know as a professional mm-hmm. is for those eight hours I have to control that room. Okay, and I, what do you like about that? Because you basically have to be like, you don't feel like the school marm or something. Like you don't feel like a little bit, you know, because you can mix it up. You know what yeah. I mean? It's the right group of people who mm-hmm. make the right record. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's the right engineer, the right producer, the right writer, the right girls, yeah. the right uh, energy. You may have like a cool kid just come by. You know what I mean? So and it's it, like. Almost like a very small party where things are being made. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to learn your people's styles. You know, some people work better in the morning. Okay. You know, at a certain time, you're not going to get anything done because all the hangers on are going to come to the studio and, right. this, and the productivity is over. Yeah. So you have to start 
producing. Parceling out, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, like, Travis, you know how YG's big thing was, um, you couldn't work in L.A. Travis' thing was, he needed a place to stay because he was so rambunctious when he yeah. would leave so the he studio. Like, he would just disappear for two days. Right. So I got him house studios. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, And I would right. live with him in the house studios. Right. So then if he wanted to wake up and record at 6 a.m., 6 p.m., wherever, it was just all right there. Right, and the right. house became the living embodiment of the album. That's incredible. How did you recognize that to sort of build that around him? Yeah, listen. Listen to the artist. Yeah. He came to my house one time and he said, um, yo, if I had a house like this, I could actually I'd make my, things. I'd finish my album. So I'm like, boom. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, like part of the part of the method acting of it is like you're listening to things that they're saying. So when I found the house, I put all the producers in there. I put like Metro's living in the house, it's Sunny Digital, and all these great producers all living in the house fighting right. this idea. And, you know, and I think that's one thing you learn from um from from LA too. And just in life, you know. Yeah. I've I've gotten far because I listen. Yeah. And when you're listening to an artist, you never know when they'll tell you a great story. So like, if you if you I don't know I don't, I, I guess it's like being like a a biographer. Yeah. And you hanging out with somebody. Yeah. You'll hang out with them for a day, and they won't you won't say anything to them. Then you come to the studio, you're like you should write a song about that girl we met at Chipotle, and then boom, <laughs> it becomes this like yeah. And because and, they really need an idea because, you right. know, it's tough to be inspired every day to just walk in the studio and be like, boom, make a song. Like, I'm going to invent something. That's crazy. Like every day, the expectation to invent something. So your role there is to 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 be a spark, to help, yeah. to to give them an idea that's going to get them to the next level as a creative, because most people just in the studio just looking at them. But they need that's actually really interesting, because I feel like the way a lot of people look at artists is that like it's like the goose that lays the golden egg and they split them up open to see if their core is gold, because it's like they just can't seem to suss out what the output will be. You know, they just they're just like, here, you're here now. We gave you this deal now do the thing that we require of you. And that's the problem with the the labels, you yeah. know? And so it's like they, um, you, sometimes you got to sit there in a day and watch five documentaries in a row. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to go. just feed them new information. Like, yeah. And, and listen, what, yeah. What, what inspires you? You know what I mean? Why don't you just go watch a new movie or bring a book around? Like do something that's going to help spark an idea, mm -hmm. you know? And you, so your idea when you wake up every day is like, how am I going to create that spark? Like, what am I going to do to help get this person yeah. inspired yeah you know so your intellectual curiosity must be like really helpful to them too we love the bookstores museums yeah. are always a great spark um i love the, the i love just even the, the visual image of you <laughs> going to museums with your artists with the whole squad yeah that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> so um now you live in la again do you think new york is over i mean it's pretty stereotypical but yeah you know what i mean um, why because it's so expensive. We're all priced out. Um, I think people can figure out the money thing. It's like, it's tough for people to have like a dream in New York still and like, to afford it. Right. You know, like when, when I was coming up, I hate talking like that, but you know, it's like you can still have like a side job yeah. and have a couple of roommates and still pay your yeah, rent. Yeah, and, and actually make it happen. Yeah, now it's now it's a little different in New York. It's like all oh, straight yuppie town, you know, and, and, and it affects it because it's like, a lot of the, the clubs are closing down. Right. And then a lot of places you can do showcases are closing down. Right. So just the avenues and the venues to do things yeah. are not there anymore. And it chokes out a lot of the young people, mm -hmm. which is really problematic because then it really becomes an influx issue. Yeah, like I, I would I, if I grew up in this New York, I don't think I would have made it. Jesus, that's well, let's not end there. That's so dire. <laughs> um, so what is your new music discovery process? 
Um, new music discovery. I've been doing this thing for about six years. It's mm-hmm. called like a draft board. Okay. And um, every time somebody mentions a new artist to me, yeah. I would just write it down. Okay. And um, I would kind of like research them, mm-hmm. um, rank them, listen to their project, and then kind of get an idea of them. That's so, amazing. And I would keep like a list of like a hundred names that at any given moment that I could pull off. You know yeah, what I mean? And yeah. I'll, I'll just. And now what I would do is um, I'd have as soon as somebody says a name, I'll text it to my assistant. Okay. And they'll do a write up and they'll put them on the board. Yeah. And then I'll Amazing. Them so it's then. like, so your board is a part of your, the best practices of your entire like business strategy. And then it started by doing shows and trying mm-hmm. to get the right people for shows. And now it's, right. it's now it's great because it's really, um, you know, it really helps the process. Totally. And, and it, it's nice and visual too, which is helpful. It's cool. I'm trying to make it like interactive. Like, yeah, I totally. Want, like, like money ball, you know? Yeah. And then also it's a good um, mechanism to get other people on board as well. Yeah, because they, cause they, yeah, every, they can see it, yeah. And everybody gets to participate. Yeah. You know, um, you so know. You sound like a good boss. You got to ask them. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it, 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 I'm, I'm very vested into the people who work with me, though. Do you have, do you mentor people? Yeah. How many? I don't count. How do you get to be mentored by you? Um, You got to make a lot of time. Like, a lot, it's a lot of breakfasts. I always make people meet me for breakfast. That's true. You know, because... Because it's a good one-two test. It's like, how early can you wake up? Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, let's say I want to talk to you, pick your brain about something. Like, cool, meet me at 8 a.m. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, <laughs> and, 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 and that kind of goes to, like, your original question about, like, the routine. When I finished... When we finished Travis's album, mm-hmm. I, I was... I had nothing left. Yeah. You know, and I left it all on the court, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, so, um, a friend of mine, Amber, she sent me this thing called, like, The Miracle Morning. Okay. And that was you know that that's just become the staple of my life it was like listen do this thing for me for 30 days where you wake up at 6 a.m and do these things so you wake up at 6 a.m you um, wash your face you meditate you say like affirmations um you, you do write, you do all these things every day mm-hmm. you, you, that you, was actually my follow-up question because you're so la now but continue i'm super la <laughs> and um and work out for a little 15 minutes yeah. uh read for like 15 minutes and then by 7 seven thirty on your way and that routine is the number one thing I took out of last year because that's now the the backbone of your entire infrastructure. Yes, it stabilizes my yeah, whole life. Yeah, Cause, yeah, cause the then, furnace. Because <laughs> you get on a flow. Yeah, you know. Because now you know if you just if you could just do all that, your your day is off and running. So, do you drink green juice and what kind of meditation do you do? Is it TM? Like, uh, I'm not too deep. I just <laughs> I, I'm not good at meditating by myself. So I do guided meditation. Oh, nice! Like, I like guided <laughs> meditations too. <laughs> yeah, you use Headspace. It's like podcast meditating. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and they give you a uh, like, give you like kind of accolades. Oh, you did it! You made it ten <laughs> days. I'm like, yeah, I did make it ten days. You are very goal oriented. <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. Do you have any advice for other people? Because I know you are a big proponent of receiving advice and putting it to heart so just about what like what in general though just like how do you win no i'm kidding just in general like if you're you know 20 because a lot of people do get started early these days Mm -hmm. like like you did back in the day if you were talking to like a 20 year old version of you what would you say it was like something to watch out for um I would tell them that routine thing is probably the best thing I've yeah. learned in a long time. Routine in, in your schedule. Mm-hmm. Because before I would kind of treat it like every day I'm just, you know, like a Tasmanian devil. <laughs> Covering know? as much ground as possible <laughs> and doing so many things. Yeah. I, I would I would just have them organize it a little bit more. I would mm-hmm. kind of build like a, a morning routine and get your day started and then manage your day a little bit better. Because you can get so much done in a day. They say if you wake up an hour earlier every day, you get three and a half more 40 hour work weeks. Wow, that's so, crazy. So you kind of like living a longer life. 
Totally. You know what I'm saying? Do you sleep a lot ever? Yeah. Okay. Because around 12 o'clock, you got to make some hard decisions. <laughs> do, I, do I want this other drink? Is yeah. the party worth it? What does my tomorrow look like? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, do you have any regrets? Um, You know, I'm, I've been on this whole, like, um, you know, L.A., so, you know, the whole, yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, this, yeah. this whole, like, you know, I could totally stuff, you know what I mean? And it's like... <laughs> You know, I'm trying to forgive myself for all the regrets. You know what I mean? Because it's like the, the you know, is everything that happened from like the the, the Nikki stuff or the yeah. job and everything that it, it served the purpose. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't change any of it now because then I feel it like equipped you to do the big jobs that you did. Yeah, I'm just as a person no more. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I I never look at it like oh I work at this job like the job defines who I am. You know, mm-hmm. I just I look at it more as being a human. You know what I mean? And yeah. Like like I'm, I feel like I'm a good person. You know, okay. I feel like I'm like you know I'm a, I'll be a good I'm a good brother I'm a good family man I'm a good uh, coworker yeah you know I feel like I'm a, a way better person because of the ups and downs right that if I would have just had huge success right you'd be as, a monster yeah I'd be like <laughs> that'd be horrible yeah you know so it'd be I, I I really I don't have any regrets anymore you know the the Nikki thing was the only thing that could have been a regret mm-hmm. when she gave me a call and um she she gave me a job opportunity. Mm-hmm. That was when I was like, okay, cool. I mean, yeah, we're good. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been super informative. And it's so nice to get the rare opportunity to ask a friend all the questions you've been wanting to ask them for the past 13 years. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's, a, it's been super sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Bye. I'm in love with my life.